Hello and welcome to Fly With Your Shadow, the show all about music, mental health and illness, and the mess that the COVID pandemic has made of it all. My name is Jeff Robson and this show comes to you from my home in Winnipeg, Manitoba. I want to start by thanking everyone who checked out the last episode, our supersized tribute to Paul McLeod. It was great to see so many people interested in Paul. If you haven't heard it yet, I encourage you to go back and give it a listen, as well as check out any of the previous episodes of this show that you might have missed, or if you want to hear them again. I ran into some wild website difficulties over the past little while, and although I think I've got the site back, I noticed that the email subscriber list was somehow deleted. If you want to be notified of new episodes and posts on the website, head on over to flywithyourshadow.com and subscribe, even if you've already done so before. This show, of course, grew out of my love of great music and the many ways in which music has helped me to cope with difficult situations in my life and has made my life so much richer. I have a deep love of great songs and the stories and feelings that they can convey. My very favorite songs have always been ones that I can easily understand and feel. I love it when a few lines in a song can paint a vivid picture that I can see and feel. Often, great songs seem to be able to put my feelings into words in ways that I simply can't. On this episode, I have the great pleasure of talking to a songwriter who does that so magically. I recently had a conversation with one of the most respected and acclaimed contemporary singer-songwriters in Canada. He's able to write songs that convey simple thoughts and ideas in beautiful, poetic ways. He's got amazing songs about love and sorrow and joy that are so powerful and perfect. I'm a huge fan. Hello, my name is David Francie. I'm a, a singer-songwriter from Elfin, Ontario, uh, the middle of nowhere, the hinterland. And um, I've been off the road now for um, two years anyway, and really the year before that as well. So uh, uh, we're coming to the end of COVID. I'll be awfully glad to get there. You may notice the accent. David Francie was born in Scotland, but his family moved to Canada when he was 12. The value and importance of hard work was instilled upon him early. His debut album, Torn Screen Door, was released in 1999, when Francie was already in his 40s. Up until then, Francie was a carpenter and a construction worker, working on job sites, rail yards, and in far-flung places across Canada. All the while, he would make up melodies and words in his head, content to sing them to himself and maybe a few close friends, but never really trying his hand as a musician. At the urging of his loving wife, artist Beth Girdler, he started performing and made an album of some of the best songs he'd come up with up to that point. He wasn't much of a guitar player at the time, so he hooked up with Quebec acoustic guitar master Dave Clark, who provided tasteful, melodic, and interesting instrumentation. The reaction to their combo was immediate. Within a year, he was in demand at the biggest folk festivals in Canada. After three strong albums, Dave Clark stepped back to dedicate himself to his solo albums and his band Steel Rail. Francie went on to make an album with Nashville heavyweights Kieran Kane, Kevin Welch, and Fats Kaplan. That was all within five years of the beginning of his recording career. At the time, Francie was on the road far more than he was home. He was touring the world and taking his songs and stories all over the place. And so it went for several years. Prior to the release of his 2013 album, So Say We All, Francie fell into a deep depression brought on by the death of one of his closest friends. 
It was through his writing and the love of his family that he was able to pull himself out, and he's been honest about his struggles with depression since then in songs, poems, paintings, and conversation. The wear and tear of nearly 20 years of constant touring finally caught up with David Francie around the time of his 2018 album, The Broken Heart of Everything. He'd been struggling with his voice for a while, but being the dedicated worker that he is, he just pushed through it. He really started to notice his voice failing during a Canadian East Coast tour, and he knew that he'd pushed it a little too far. He drove straight home and resigned himself to the fact that he wouldn't be able to sing for quite some time. He spent a lot of time on his other love, painting. It's kind of ironic that once he had had that break, he was just starting to reemerge as a live performer when COVID shut that down too. It's given him a bit more time to rest and heal up and write some new songs, and I know that he's raring to go. I've been lucky enough to know David for most of his 20-plus year career, and it's always a treat to take some time to catch up and talk about what's been going on in our lives. Here now is my chat with the great David Francie. I never dread that you can name it rattles round inside my brain. I'm lucky I've got a brain at all, beating my head against this wall. I think you started playing the big folk festivals and stuff in 2000. And I know that you had, right. uh, you kind of joined music a little bit later in life and it wasn't <laughs> something that you had really kind of intended as a career, I guess. Um, what was that like? Like when you started out, did you, did you envision the life that you've kind of had with music being so prominent? Well, no, not really, Jeff. I mean, I wrote the songs in, in, uh, you know, for myself and kept them for myself and didn't play them out for anybody and had a stack of songs before I started, but I was 45 years old. So when I got into it, I had no illusions. I was, I was, I got this chance to make the first record, Torn Screen Door, and I thought, well, this is an amazing opportunity. I'm going to go do it. Um, and, you know, it, it turned out great, but I remember actually being there when they were putting it to bed, you know, and my first time in, this, in a studio and all that stuff, it, it was all done, and we were putting it to one track to another. So I remember looking at the studio in, in uh, Paris Montcalm in Quebec City and thinking to myself, God, I enjoyed that. That was, that was great fun to make a record. I'm glad I got a chance to do that, figuring that was the only record I was going to make. You know, I mean, it was just such an anomaly. And anyway, we put the record out, and, uh, you know, next thing you know, I'm driving up the highway, and I hear Les Seminac say, uh, oh, that's my record of the year for folk music on uh, Definitely Not the Opera is, you know, Ted Door Street Door. And we nearly drove off the, the highway, man. We just about took a hard left, you know. I was <laughs> so shocked. And uh, anyway, uh, that made it kind of plain that uh, the record had a, a bit to it. So uh, we kind of adjusted and thought, well, well, we'll just see how far we go. And here we are still going, so. And do you think it was because you kind of waited so long and had these songs brewing for so long and, and didn't really have that pressure that things kind of worked out pretty quickly for you? I, I think so, Jeff. I think it all went into it, you know. I, I think the body of work was, was as good as I can do. And uh, I think when I was in my 20s and 30s, I wasn't, I hadn't thought things through and I, I wasn't, uh, I hadn't lived enough to, to write about anything as far as I was concerned. So, uh, you know, and it was... Uh, uh, looking back on my life and then writing about the current life I was living that uh, that rang for people because, you know, fairly ordinary life and work and life and everything else. But, uh, you know, there's beauty in everything and there's uniqueness in everything. And I think, you know, some of the songs 
um, reflected a lot of people, a lot of people's uh, own experience. So I think that was the fortunate part. That's probably because I'd, I waited till I was 45 and, you know, I had a lot of experiences that a lot of people could uh, uh, identify with. And did you have any, uh, was it hard to get gigs or anything or is it just once people heard you like a lot of times you have to you have to you have to go on tour so many times and open for people and build up your name and stuff um and it seemed like it seemed like you you didn't have to sort of start from the place the same place as a lot of people well i, I didn't enter into into it at 20 with it with the with the vision of of attaining some kind of you know uh uh, notoriety or success or something. I, I mean, I really went into it eyes wide open, and 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 the thing is, Jeff, like I, I put no pressure on myself at all. I I just thought I don't want to play you know noisy bars. I'd rather play for ten people listening in a basement than a hundred people not listening in a bar. That made sense to me, so we did that, and people were lined up to say, "Oh, you can't do that. You got to go play the bars." And I said, "No, I don't." I'll just do this, and if it doesn't work, I'll go back to construction. I'm completely happy, and I was. So I had no pressure at all, and sure enough, that that tack we took was the right one. I mean, that that was a listening audience, and they're the ones who told their friends and brought more people to the next show, and that's how it grew. It was very uh, organic nature of how it grew, really. So, uh, But again, no plan, no overall, like, let's take the music world by storm. Uh, it was just, uh, you know, just kind of happened and kept happening and and we were adjusting as we went along and and grateful for what we were getting that's the other thing terrifically grateful the record celebrated 20 years uh, i guess it's been a little while now but uh, but 20 years sometimes it feels like it was a blink of an eye since i first heard that record and then i look back and see you've got all these records and oh i totally agree with you jeff i mean i remember talking to you when that record was out i remember talking to you in winnipeg and uh, you know, we were—I think—we were both kind of finding our feet at that point. And uh, uh, yeah, I think so. And so, you know, there's those kind of bonds you, you make. Like you were totally uh, wonderful to me. So, you know, it's—I uh, I said the bath at the time. I said we'll deal with anybody who's, who treats us right, and we'll treat everybody right. And if they don't treat us right back, we won't go back, and we won't have anything to do with them. And we've done that too. So, you know, hence I'm still a friend of yours, and. You know, there's lots of people from the very first tour that I, I still know and, and admire and, and like. So, uh, you know, I've just met some tremendous people in music, and, uh, you know, their love of music is infectious. And so um, when you're around people like that all the time, it's, it's easy to stay, uh, stay in love with what you're doing. Sometimes when people look back at their debut record 20 years later, they hear all kinds of warts and, and like they're maybe a little, they've grown past it so much, but I feel like your work has been so consistent since day one. Do you, do you have any like things about that first record that you listen back and go, eh, I wish we'd have done that differently or. Oh, I, I don't, man. I know there's people like that. Like I remember talking to Harvey Reed, who's a tremendous guitar player and, you know, national champion finger picker and got 16 or 20 albums out. And we were talking about making records. And he says, you know, the first the thing I do to stay awake in the road is I put on my earlier records and think about what I do differently now, you know. And, you know, and I remember looking at it, I was shocked because his records are wonderful, man. Wonderful records, right? And, I, and he says, don't you feel like that? I said, no. I don't, I don't. I said, we worked so hard on that record and we put everything into it that we had. And, uh, you know, given the personnel, man, I mean, I mean, I had Dave Clark in the studio, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, 
I uh, had the best I could get, and uh, I knew it, it, it couldn't have been done any better than we did it. So uh, I felt really proud of it and, and really happy with it, and I uh, still am. And my biggest disappointment this whole COVID thing, certainly one of them, is uh, Dave and I were, were uh, going to play that record live for a few shows, and uh, we'd, we were already talking about it and getting it underway. And, uh, you know, Mark was going to be there, Mark Westberg, and Chris Cool. everybody was in on it because... They all love Dave, and you know it's that's where it all started. So uh, that was a real disappointment. But uh, I just talked to Dave last week, so he's doing great, and uh, he's uh, re-releasing uh, or getting their new album out, and you know releasing one of his own. And you know it's just great that that wonderful people just keep making music. You know, for the twentieth anniversary, you put out a you put out a vinyl version, and you put out the uh, the the, the songbook. <laughs> for it. Yeah. Um, when I was a kid, I used to play guitar. I thought I was going to be a rock and roll guitar. And then I realized that, that it took a lot of work and I, I quit as I often do when things take a lot of work. Um, and then I, I, I got your songbook and I, I know those songs inside and out cause I've listened to them thousands of times. I thought, you know what? I'm going to learn how to play these songs. I'm going to buy that book. I'm going to pick up my guitar out of the case and it's going to be awesome. Wow. And then I, wow. and then I quickly realized that David Dave Clark is no ordinary guitar player. <laughs> Maybe not the best starter material. <laughs> no, he's he's a he's a world of his own. That boy, you know, he's a, I mean, he's a, he was a thrill to to arrange songs with, and you know, there was nothing like taking a song to Dave, and um, we were so um, on the same page that. Uh, I mean, it was pretty much, we would listen, he'd start it out, and that would probably be it, you know, like we'd just go that direction, and with those chords and everything he picked, because he was just such a, a champ, you know, at that, so, you know, uh, like you said, um, I look back on that record, and uh, I, I, you know, I, I just wouldn't change anything he did, and or anything I did for that matter, or anyone did, they were wonderful people that got together to make that record so um i think it's actually stood the test of time and to quite frankly i can't play them the way dave does either so i don't feel bad i mean he's he's the man that's it that songbook should have a warning label on it not for mere mortals <laughs> or something <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> <I know that. laughs> your songs have that beautiful simplicity but dave uh, <laughs> Dave is, yeah. is not so simple. Well, that's so. the lyrics and the melody, yeah. you know. What, what happens after that is uh, hardly anything but simple, but uh, but certainly beautiful. And uh, you know, it's uh, I, the only time that I ever brought anything to Dave, where where right away we didn't just sort of fall into something was um, was Paperboy, and um, you know I, I brought the song and I had the idea of the you know the melodies to start it out like that, and um, I was trying to play it on guitar and. Uh, Anyway, I just sung it for Dave, and, he, and he, it's the only time that we got together where it just didn't go anywhere. It just sort of went flop, and I went, no, I think it needs to do this, and I, you know, hacking away on the guitar, and then Dave fell into, you know, you know what I mean? Down to the agent shop I'd go and show them my bag. Just out of the blue, but that was the only time the two of us, when we got together, that it, we kind of were like, uh, no. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'll never forget it just for that reason, you know. Every other time it was just like fall into it, you know. And and then you just, uh, you kind of 
regardless of no expectations, you, you, you kind of went hard on the records. You were putting out records uh, every every year, every couple of years for the longest time. Was it was it hard coming up with the songs and getting those out on time? Were you were you pushing yourself too hard, or was it just always coming and? No, it's just coming, Jeff. You know, like I never push myself. I'm, you know, I'm, well, I said, I do. I'm a good worker. Let's put it that way. But um, I'm definitely a good worker. But uh, I don't push myself like um, um, aesthetically and uh, and and, and uh, artistically. It's um, I, you know, things happen for me. That's just how it works. So I'll be going along, and then all of a sudden it'll hit me, and away I am. I'm working hard, and I'm working hard until it's done, or until I've you know got as far as I can go on it. And then, so that's always a process that keeps coming. So I was never out of songs, you know. So um, when the when the albums came up to do, it was basically, you know, a big stack of songs. Um, which ones are going to see the light of day? Which ones fit together? That kind of thing. So um, I just finished. Uh, I think it's around uh, forty actually songs since this whole thing came down. And um, yeah, but you know, there's ten of which I think are. Just that we're in love with, you know, like I really, really like, you know, 10 of them. And the others are, are good exercises in writing and they're good songs. And there's nothing wrong with them. But, you know, I, I probably won't won't record them. Do you know what I mean? But I, but I wrote because I was moved to write. And as soon as I'm moved to write, I've got to write something. And, you know, um, as long as I got whatever was bothering me out of the way by the writing, then, I'm, uh, then that song's done and on to the next, you know. Through it all, I mean, you've always told stories uh, about your life and about people you know and stuff, but but you've never been shy of tackling, you know, difficult topics, whether it's, uh, you know, the the, the fallout of, of 9-11 or whether it's, uh, you know, people having, having hard lives or having hard times. Um, was it always important for you to tell all kinds of stories and, and get some of the, some of the good and some of the hard times in there as well? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I definitely write from my not happy place. So, uh, you know, that's uh, that's one thing I noticed about writing was um, it's you know, I, I write from being moved. You know, and, and so being being moved is either you know you're happy, you're sad, you're angered, you're you're uh, ecstatic, whatever it is. And usually I'm not ecstatic, but I am angered a lot by what goes on sometimes, and I'm disappointed a lot. And and um, so um, you know, when I see something happen, you know, um, you know uh, that. That's sort of detrimental to folks. Uh, I, I get upset about it, and uh, certainly all that nonsense in the states right now—that horror show they've got on down there—is uh, something they're written about. That's for sure, and lots of people have, you know, and will. But uh, again, if you get moved, if I get moved, I write, and so I always uh, have been able to keep up a flow of music and a flow, a flow of uh, work. You know, the show is uh, is uh, is a lot about talking about mental health and, and our struggles yep. with that and stuff. And I know, Good. I know, especially around the period of, uh, so say we all, you, you had gone through a pretty hard time and have talked about that. Is there anything you can tell yeah. me about that? Yeah, we kind of, it's, um, you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, like so cyclic, isn't it? I mean, uh, everything was cruising along really great. And then, um, well, my best friend in the world was a fellow named Ian McGregor and we worked construction together. I met him up in the Yukon as, you know, a couple of travelers and had a great time best fellow, fellow I've ever met in my life, and I lost him, you know, and um, I found that really hard, and I'm one of those people that uh, doesn't deal with stuff like that very well, I just get a bit harder, and I keep going, and that's it, and I tend to, you know, not not uh, let it out, and not, let's not deal with it, you know, just keep motoring, keep marching, and uh, often that kind of works, but sometimes it doesn't, so, uh, you know, I certainly, uh, I fell into 
some pretty low places there, and I thought to myself, well, you know, I'm writing my way out of this, you know, and I realized, you know, in the sort of depth of everything, I was writing a lot of songs, and um, I realized that they had the theme running through them was that they were kind of addressing what was going on in my head and what was happening. So um, I, I put that record out, and I just wanted to reassure people that, you know, as, as black as it gets, it, uh, you know, every wheel turns, you know, and... and uh, you know, at some point or other, we come out of it. And, you know, if we can work our way out of it, great. And uh, you absolutely should. And that's what I was trying to do with that, with those songs. And they all ended up on the record because they all had a bit of a, uh, a bit of a theme running through them, I suppose. So it was the writing that kind of helped you work through the hard things that were going through your life? Yeah, it was, it was, a, it's a great help to me. It always has been, Jeff. Was, I've always been, um, I've always got a lot of solace out of the writing. I think because you pour so much of yourself into it and you're so involved in it and it takes everything you've got to to do it as well as you can. So, you know, while you're doing that, you're not worrying about the things that were worrying you. What you are worrying about is the song and getting it right and, and capturing those emotions and those feelings. So it takes you out of the emotions and feelings you're trying to capture, essentially. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I can, you know, I can drop into a depression and stay there. And often the only way I get out of it at all is, is to write my way out. And, uh, it's, I've been like that since I started. So I doubt that's going to change much. You know, Is that discipline that allows you to get to writing again? Is that just something you have to continually do or how, because when I, when I feel at my worst, the last thing I feel like doing is, is working. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, uh, you know, that lethargy is something else, isn't it? That, that kind of lethargy that slips in on you with depression is incredible. Because I'm not a lethargic person. I, I don't like sitting around. I like doing you know stuff, and whether it's hammering nails or picking up an instrument or painting or whatever. But I found when in those periods of depression, uh, nothing happened. I mean, life is just stultifyingly dull. And um, and so, you know, you just get worse and worse that way. So for myself, like, I always know I'm starting to come out of it when um, I, I feel about as low as I can feel, and then I'll get an idea for a song, and I'll start working that, and I'll get that one done. And I know for a fact that I'm, I've got a leg up again, so then, I, then it inspires me to keep marching. But yeah, at that point, it's not so much like work. It's more like uh, a necessity at that point for me, you know. It's just something I'm going to do anyway. And, uh, you know, no matter what, I'll, you know, I just, I'm always inspired to write. Um, I know that you've been blessed with, uh, with a wonderful wife who's been a huge help to you. Is, is she like, uh, you know, when you're starting to get a little grumpy or something, maybe, maybe you should go write a song, David, or maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she... She's always been that. It's funny, Jeff, she, you know, she'll, I'll, I'll be, you know, I'm all shit over. I mean, I'm all stuff over in my head all the time, you know, and, I'll just keep it in there and I won't say a word for days. And, you know, I'm just kind of like that. It's just how I am. And she'll, you know, turn to me at some point because she's a very up person, you know, she's a very up person and very positive. And, you know, I'm not. We're exactly the opposite that way. But uh, at any rate, you know, she'll say, I hope you write that song soon because you're getting unbearable. You know, and then I'll go, oh, Jesus, yeah, you're right. And sure enough, you know, all the song come out and everything will be great for another little while. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, thank God we've got, people with us. Cause, uh, <laughs> so you know, she has someone to talk it. to? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, or at least talk at, you know. <laughs> Complain. When you have these songs, is it ever is it ever hard to to sing them again for years on end, and have guys like me ask you about it to talk about it again? Does oh. it, does that ever strike you as uh, something you don't want to oh. revisit? 
No, not at all. I mean, I, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the songs and, um, you know, I, I, I know I did the best I could do with them. And, you know, if, if they're not up to somebody's standards, that's fine. I, I fully accept that. Or they, you know, it doesn't appeal to somebody. I get that too. But, you know, they ring with enough people and there's people have, uh, they treat them with such, uh, I don't know, um, respect, I guess, or, um, something like that. Anyway, they invest those songs with, with an importance and, um, and it, you know, it behooves me to retain that importance too, because they were important to me when I sung them. And, and I, so I don't, um, I don't, I don't take it for granted. I don't get on stage and do things by rote, which was my big fear when Beth and I got, you know, started in on this. I remember saying to her, "What happens, gorgeous, when I'm on the road doing like 20 gigs in a row and I'm singing the same songs night after night?" And, and, and I said, "I'll just do them by rote. What'll happen then?" And she says, uh, "You'll never do them by rote because." A, you'll always remember where you were when you wrote it, and you'll always remember why you wrote it. And those were, by far, and I give everybody else credit, the, the wisest words that anybody ever said to me on music, and that was Beth. And when she said that, I realized, yeah, she's right. I mean, you know, I, I do sing like uh, Broken Glass. I've sung it thousands of times, probably. When you hear a sound like broken glass That's my heart every time that girl walks past when you hear a sound like the rush of wind, just me catching my breath. Again. I don't sing it once without thinking of exactly why I wrote it. It's just, I mean, I just don't, and it's part of the song for me. So uh, she was dead right about that. So you know, the fact that you're in, you're asking questions about songs I wrote 20 years ago, that suits me to a T. And um, you know, I'm happy to talk about the one I wrote yesterday. But uh, you know, it's pretty nice to have someone like yourself, you know, bring up work you've done and, and treat it with, uh, you know, a bit of importance. It's quite remarkable. Well, I, I think you know how important it's been to me over the years, and I'll, I'll tell you as many times Thanks. as you like how much this, these songs have been to me over the years, sir. <laughs> and a lot of people as well. Um, so your career has always been very independent. I mean, I guess you've had a little bit of help here and there from different record labels and stuff, but for the most part, you've you've run your own label and, and shipped yeah. out your own records and stuff. And most of that work has, has been done by Beth. Um, yeah. has that been hard? Like sometimes when you work with the person you love the most, it, uh, it can put a strain on the relationship or, or, it, you know, if, if she says like, we need to do something one way and you don't want to, it can, it can cause friction. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you guys ever run into those, any of those things? No, we work, we work as a good team. I mean, that, that, that's the truth. You know, like as far as, uh, you know, I, I, I mail the stuff out and write the notes and thank people and everything else, as does Beth when, when she organizes everything for me that way. Uh, she took a great step back from everything when we got uh, Mark Watson to, to help us out with the management. He's been a real boon. And, you know, we, we both uh, really like Mark and admire him. So um, that, that's been a big thing. So Beth is able to do a lot of stuff that she much prefers doing. But... Um, you know, we get along pretty great musically. The only time we, we come to, you know, come to a, a head is uh, often um, approach to an album sometimes is, you know, uh, I keep that very, very tight. That's kind of like my business, you know, and I get very defensive about that. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm never looking for input as to what the next album should be or, or you know, what we should be doing. I'm, uh, I love her to death, man, but I, I, I don't look to her for input in that front you know and i admire her and i, I appreciate her opinion no, no doubt about it but i'll be the arbiter of, of what we do that way so i think it's only fair since creating the songs so there's that you know 
but it, it seems to have worked out all right in the end. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. far. The yeah, records we're, have been we're... great and everything. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's been a real joy for both of us. And, you know, Best met some tremendous folks through this whole thing as well. And, you know, because we toured so much together at the first, like when we first met you guys and all that, and that was, um, you know, we were we were like like lockstep for years on the road and at home. And uh, that was a, that was a huge, huge boost uh, to, for both of us, I think, as far as uh, enjoying what we were doing and making it work a bit. And having that time all away, obviously uh, that can be difficult on our relationship and stuff too, but uh, I guess you guys yeah. managed because you just, uh, it was so important. You know? and <laughs> <laughs> I'm really a lot nicer when I'm on the road because I'm working and I'm happy and I'm making other decisions, you know, and, and I'm working with great guys I just love and, uh, you know, traveling. So I'm always happy on the phone. It's when I get home that, you know, it's, uh, I got to work on that a little bit. <laughs> that's all when did you start painting and stuff as well because you've you've been painting for a number of years oh i started painting when i met beth and um you know i always drew and i always did cartoons and stuff and always had a bit of a um ability to draw and stuff and uh but i'm colorblind so i never really painted and then i met beth and i i adore her work i mean i think she's one of the best watercolorists i've ever met and uh i mean that sincerely and i, I do love art I, I i'm hard on it and i uh you know i enjoy it and i'm critical of it but her stuff is tremendous so when she said you know why don't you try painting i was like uh, right but um i did and then you know um of course the first ones were, were kind of nowhere but uh um eventually they started picking up and then eventually it became something that i did when i wasn't writing and um you know when i wasn't working on a song or or, or a, a poem or something um i would start painting and then i found that it was a tremendous release same kind of release you get from singing and um and poetry and anything else that's, that's created that way so um i realized when i finished the first painting it was worth any anything you know as far as to, to my opinion anyway the one of the better ones i did at, up until then i was like ah that this feeling is exactly the same feeling you get when you've wrestled the song into its final fixed form it's exactly the same feeling so i realized then that it's the same well we're drawing from as far as inspiration and and uh, creativity. So I think uh, there there are two sides of the same coin. I'm pretty sure. So when when you when you have a feeling or you meet somebody or whatever, can you decide whether it's going to be a a painting or a poem or a song or? Uh, it just depends. I think really, and um, you know, it. Uh, I don't really. I never really plan anything. As you know, the thing is, uh, when when you meet people and when you run into things and situations that. I'm a big believer in letting things settle in, and um, and I think that those periods when we're not writing and stuff, those are gestation periods. And I think everything that we that we might write about is in there. We just have to figure it out and uh, and sort it out. And I don't think that our conscious mind really does that. I think it's our unconscious mind that does that. And hence, you know, like you've maybe met somebody, and then you know a few days later, this song pops into your head, and it's about them, but you didn't know it at the time. It's just you know, it's just it's fallen out that way kind of thing. Can you tell me a bit about, uh, sort of, you've had some, uh, you've had some troubles with your voice and stuff over the past number of oh, years. Awful. When did, when did that come along? Oh, just, uh, too much touring, man. I mean, I was at it for 20 years and, um, uh, you know, I doing a lot of shows a year and, and gone most of the year and all of that. So I, but I, but I loved it. I wasn't like, I wasn't unhappy doing it. I was far too happy doing it really. And I didn't want to stop. So, 
I think I just tried to keep going long past when my voice was um, was fin- was uh, you know on, on its last legs for a while. So uh, uh, you know I was treating myself with uh, oil of oregano and shit, and that was sort of getting me through shows. But it was just destroying my my throat, I think. So at any rate, um, I had no choice but to come off the road, and it was horrible. I mean, I, I canceled you know two years of work in Australia and Britain and all these tours. You, I mean out the window and I just was heartbroken and totally crushed so I didn't write any songs for that that first summer I was off I just painted I I bought a whole pile of canvases and I I made a little room in the barn and I sat there and I painted day in day out and, and just tried not to think about about music and everything else and and just pour myself into something that I could get some you know uh, satisfaction out of doing and um and was still artistic so that was a real breakthrough for the painting, and out of that became it came a tour. So, you know that that actually got the painting off the ground. But it came out of you know having lost the voice and um, and really just feeling so so uh, cut off from everything that you know I just had to do something. You know, and had those vocal troubles been kind of lingering for a while before? It- really got back? Uh, yeah, they were. I mean, they were, you know, um, I like to work though and uh, I just didn't think anything of it. And I could still, I could still get up and sing. It just got to the end there, like, um, three years ago or whatever it was. I, I was struggling so hard every night and, um, and I suddenly realized I'm beat. I mean, I'm, I'll never forget. I was down in, uh, in Nova Scotia and, um, Iona and, uh, it was like, oh my God, it was a long drive back. I did it in one shot. I was so, wired and and worried about everything that uh i just drove home in one long shot and uh you know got home and unpacked the van and thought well i won't be packing you for a long while and i was right so um you know but anyway um took the time off and have rested up and you know it's back to um as good as it's going to be so i'm i'm sort of i really kind of tempted to take it out and try it again but uh you know just just working out the nerve to try and sing um you know, as, as as I used to, it, it was tough. I mean, because I didn't want to have a I didn't want to have a disappointment on that front. You know, so um, I, I I work with Terry Tufts. Just you know, Terry probably a wonderful player, but tremendous singer. And Terry and I are neighbors, and um, he's the one who sort of got me back into singing again. Um, you know, he ran a bunch of exercises by me, and we, I'd go over and do some exercises with him, do a little bit of singing, and so he's given me a tremendous boost as far as you know, uh, uh, realizing that the voice is coming back. So, um, you know, now it's just to get control of the nerves and everything else. So we'll see how that goes. You know? So when you, when you first stopped and did all that painting and stuff, did you feel like maybe the singing was done? That was, that was it? Or oh. did you always know it was going to come back? No, I didn't know it was going to come back, but I wasn't ready to, <clears throat> I definitely wasn't ready to pack it in. You know what I mean? So, um, I just thought, well, I'll, this is a huge uh, obstacle, and um, I don't have much choice but to live through it and get through it and keep marching. So that's what I did, always with the eye that, you know, I was writing the whole time, and um, not during that time, but, you know, after that initial disappointment of everything passed and the initial burst of painting passed after a few months, uh, I started writing again. So, you know, I always knew I would, but uh, I got a really good one right off the bat. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> And then, um, you know, just, uh, just kept at it from there. And like I said, nearly 40 songs later, uh, here we are. So 
Yeah, it's uh, it always kind of amazed it. Like, I mean, you're not exactly David Lee Roth out there. You're not, you're, you know, you're not jumping around and screaming hey. all the time. So, hey. no, I, I I mean that as a compliment. Like you've always sung the right way, and you're very, very yeah. real in everything Thank you God. do. So, you know, you yeah. I wouldn't have expected your voice to to wear out as much as somebody who's singing in a high falsetto all the time. You know what I mean? Thanks, my friend. Yeah, I know. Me neither. Believe me, me neither. And. Uh, you know, but, you know, the thing is, um, I started at 45. I went like a madman. And, you know, I was in my mid-60s with everything, you know, when, uh, but I guess when the chickens came home to roost. So, uh, you know, I kind of brought it on myself. And um, But I'm like that, you know. I'm, I'm like that. I don't like to stop doing something I enjoy. And, uh, you know, there's nothing I enjoy more. So, um, you know, uh, as I said, I brought it on myself and probably could have handled it all better. But, uh, oh, I don't know. Uh, here we are now, so I'm just I'm just hopeful for for what's coming up, you know. Yeah, I know that you kind of uh, you kind of tiptoed back into singing a little bit along, you know, kind of backing other people up and stuff like that. Were Were you nervous about about coming out again? I know you said that you d- you oh. didn't want it didn't want to disappoint anybody, but um, yeah. was there also the concern about like I don't want to I don't want to cause myself permanent damage or anything here too well i figured out i could come back but mostly i was worried about um how it would be received and if i could do the job that that was my biggest worry and um you know before the COVID hit i was actually back on the road you know um just just taking some great great stabs at things and you know i had a wonderful show in calgary at the nickelodeon and you know a couple of really nice shows and i had to work hard before the shows was warming up and stuff but they went well and uh they felt good and everything was feeling a little bit better so um you know there was uh there was a lot of hope going on at that point but then when covid hit that that put the boots to that so um you know that was uh that was a tough one yeah so so you were ready to uh to get back at it. Hope, hopefully like, like hopefully you've learned some lessons. Like it's, it's the schedule's not going to be what it was before. If you ever get no. back on yeah, things. That's, or? It. that's it, Jeff. Yeah. It's just, you know, I mean, I'll be dead honest with you in my head. Like I'm, you know, 21, you know, at 23, I just, you know, I just have a, I do have a lot of energy and, uh, you know, I've stayed in shape through this thing and, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm probably cutting fat and, uh, and lazy. I just, just, uh, stuck. So, um, you know, I'm doing everything I can that way to keep it up, to keep things going. So, um, you know, I'm just, uh, got to hope for the best on that one, of course. But, uh, you know, I certainly felt, you know, physically ready to go and mentally ready to go. And this has been a bit of a setback. I'll, I'll worry, you know, before the first gigs for sure, because I'm a warrior anyway, you know, at the best of times I'm worrying myself sick before a show. So that's, I'm not looking forward to that too much, but, uh, I am looking forward to getting the first song done and having some kind of, I hope normalcy hit me, uh, by the second song. You know? I don't know. You have such a different, different experience, I guess, of, of the whole COVID thing, because so many artists that, that we know and love have just toured so hard and never really taken a break. And then COVID forced them to take their first break. Mm-hmm you had already kind of taken your first break when, when your voice was causing you trouble and then you were ready to get back onto it again yeah. and then you're forced to take another break. <laughs> yeah, man. Isn't that something tough? Isn't that something? Yeah, that's exactly what happened, pal. And, um, you know, it's, um, it, was, it was one of those things you just kind of look up and go, oh, yeah, you know. Uh, I have a friend who's, um, 
who I just adore, and he's one of the funniest humans I've ever met in my life and has continued to be. But uh, he has some medical issues, you know, and, and I stayed over with him a few times, and he's, he's a joker, right? So every morning he lets the dog out, then he looks up at the sky from the backyard, and he shakes his fist at the sky, and then goes back to the house, you know, every single morning. And I was, I'm not kidding you, man, I was on the kitchen floor laughing my head off when he did that. And I, I just, I take a lot of solace in that. It's just like, you know, all those things that hit him, he's still got this fantastic sense of humor. And this, like, oh, just shaking his fist at all of it was such a inspiring uh, thing, you know, in its own quirky and weird way. It was, it just felt good, you know, to, to witness. So, you know, so, so kind of, um, kind of shaking my fist at the sky as we go along uh, every day, just to, just come on, let's go, let's get this thing going. You know? There must have been some frustration when you, you know, started first got going and then all of a sudden you know you couldn't do the shows that you were hoping to get back out and do oh yeah that was that was rotten but you know the whole world was was clobbered so i mean i didn't i certainly didn't take that one to heart i was just like well that's a bit of bad luck and uh you know it's not much i can do about it so you know i never uh, i just like everyone just kept my head down and tried to figure out what was happening which was extremely difficult but here we are in the hinterland so we had a leg up on a lot of people. The only thing we didn't have was really internet. So, you know, a lot of people were doing great shows on over the air and over the internet, and we couldn't watch any of them because we just didn't. We had wooden Wi-Fi for the, all intents and purposes. I mean, truly, man, it was awful. And, um, you know, I've got a really good friend down east, Tara Spencer, who's coming on like a house on fire. And wonderful songwriter, like just wonderful. And I was here trying to watch her, and this froze up within two seconds. So... You know, that was a real drag and really isolating. So that was a wee bit lousy. And then um, I was just going to, um, I, I signed up to do a, a songwriting workshop with, with a bunch of people uh, through Kevin Welsh and, and uh, Fats Kaplan and those guys. So I signed up to that thinking I'll just go to a motel and live there for a week and do it, you know, with good Wi-Fi. And two weeks before we're going to do it, or the week before we're going to do it, they put up a new tower in Lanark. And all of a sudden we could do Zoom. So it was, you know, an eye opener, and a, that's a wonderful thing, man. It was like that was really great. So the Zooms proved to be a, a pretty useful tool as far as the songwriting goes, uh, and you know, teaching and helping people. So I'm really happy about that. That was a, that was a good thing that came out of this. Yeah, and you've been doing some like people can actually uh, sort of book a online songwriting workshop yeah. with you now, right? Yeah, they can do, you can do a session online. I've done a few of them now, like quite a few, and gotten some lovely letters back, man. And I mean, I love writing songs. I just do, and you know, I like help. I love helping people write to the best of their abilities, you know. And um, regardless of what their aspects uh, expectations are, you know, we're just talking about the song. So, you know, I'm, I'm very comfortable talking about songs and where I think they should go to help them. So um, it's something that. I actually feel like uh, I do some good in the world when we're when we're doing those things. Plus, I just like songwriting, so you know it's a fun thing to explore with anybody, really. Can you sort of give me an example of how that works? Like, not being a songwriter myself, I, I don't really know the process. But you've always written your songs totally by yourself. I think uh, pretty much yeah. in your head. So, yeah. so what's it like to now all of a sudden be bouncing ideas back and forth? How does it work? You or somebody else brings in an idea, and then you just kind of figure out. Oh, I see. Yeah, no. This is this. What these things do, Jeff. I, I see. A, we have a um, 
yeah, to, just to clarify, uh, what these things are is people bring their their works to me, you know, maybe three songs or just one, and and then I look at it over and say, okay, here's where I hear this thing going bump, you know, and here's what you could do to make this work out a little bit better. So what I'm doing is I'm not co-writing with people in that respect. I'm just um, advising them on what to do with their song and sort of just steering them along to... To, to, to have a little bit more fun with the writing and maybe be a little bit more productive and, uh, you know, uh, and just take the bumps out if I can. And people, you know, they love their songs, man. And, you know, regardless of what the song is, it, it's their effort and it's 100% their effort. And, you know, um, I just want them to be the best they could they could do. So I don't have any problem doing that. And I really enjoy it as well. So that's been a real boon and I've really enjoyed it a lot. So... That part was great, and as far as co-writing on the internet, yeah, um, it can be done. That's for sure. It's uh, it can be done. So uh, that's a that was a real eye opener too. You know, so it was uh, Craig Warth who used to play for me, uh, with me. Um, he got me into the Zoom thing, and that's been a, a real uh, a really interesting thing. You know, if you can't be in the same room, at least you can share direct you know it's pretty neat is it hard sometimes giving songwriters honest feedback about their songs though because you said yourself you, you know you don't you don't want feedback on on the direction of the album it's they're my songs and and <laughs> yeah. i, I oh, want yeah. it done my way so when somebody yeah. obviously somebody's coming to you by choice they're you know you're not yeah, you're not exactly. poking your nose in without being asked but <laughs> but at the same time uh you know that you know yeah. these things are precious to you and they mean something so is it is yeah. it hard to give somebody like uh, this isn't this isn't working here and then do they ever well, kind of resist that or no i don't think people do i mean they're they're signed up because something's bothering them about their song or they you know they want to bounce it off you for whatever reason and um you know if you give them the full give the song their full due you listen to them and you understand what they're they're trying to do and then if you're in a position to say you know correct a really bumpy line you know let's just say it's just a, it's a dreadful uh you know, it doesn't fit the, the meter of the song or anything else, and they're kind of singing through it. Then you go, you know what? Here's what I would do here, and then you know, you'd, I I would say I would look for something that says this and that, and and then people just they, they find it like, with um, incredible alacrity. You know, when you when you point stuff out, they go, oh, and then with incredible alacrity, they find a replacement. So, you know, it's um, these are small tweaky things that that you're helping them with, but. Uh, it's huge in the in the process of writing, and um, I I don't need that myself. Uh, I you know I, I like I said before I kind of reject it, but uh, um, but that's I'm I'm sure of myself writing, and and these guys aren't yet, or they're you know they're still finding their feet as writers, and so you know there's a little bit of uh, uh, insecurity about their writing, and I try and you know point out the good things that they're doing. And, and try and emphasize that, you know, this is a direction you need to go in and this other stuff that keeps creeping in, you got to get rid of that. So, you know, it's people, they, I think they take the advice in the spirit it's given, which is in the spirit of, you know, uh, cordiality and music and, and, you know, it's like anything else. You, if you ask for help, you better check your ego. So, uh, and people do. And, you know, we're, I, I've, I've really met some, some really charming, 
really lovely people with this thing, and uh, and I'm really happy we're doing it. Uh, at at the same time, though, are you able to kind of learn things and make your own songwriting better? I know that you know I'm I'm terrible at solving my own problems, but I'm great at solving <laughs> other people's problems. And then sometimes when I tell people why they're making such a desperate mistake, I realize, oh wait a second, oh yeah, I was doing that too. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, that's how, that's how I learned, right? <laughs> I mean, essentially. And, um, you know, I'm, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm hired. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a pushover. I mean, I, I point out, I point out the good things, which I think you need to do because, you know, so much of songwriting is, is expression of, of yourself. And, um, you know, if you've, if you've done that well, then it should be notified or, or you know, um, you should be acknowledged, but, uh, you know, if you are, you know, writing and, and things are a little bit stretchy or, you know, you're trying to be, obviously trying to be profound and it's not working, then, you know, it's fairly obvious to us, um, um, an experienced songwriter, where it's going off the rails. So it's just a question of, of guiding folks and saying, look, this is a great line, but it's not working here. Take it, put it in your book, use it in another song. Let's get a new one for this one, you know, so that kind of thing. So it's exciting, too, so. I think it's uh, it makes me excited, and I think that it, it you know just keeps the whole level up as far as uh, uh, you know the the, the uh, enjoyment factor of, of writing. You know? Through all of this, you, you said you've got forty songs, and you're going to whittle it down to ten or whatever. So, so is there a plan to make another record? Is there like do you already have that idea in your head? Oh, I think so. Yeah, I mean that's the thing, Jeff. Like. I don't know about you, like, I'm clued out, I won't lie to you, as far as, you know, like, do you make a record, do you make a CD, do you make an MP3 or something like that, you know, like, the direction of where music's going to go, I don't have a clue what, what, what to do. I have these songs which I would really love to record, and I have people that I'd really like to record with, but, um, you know, uh, and I will probably, well, I, I will record something, I, I really want to make a, another record, at least one more, so, you know, um, uh, when that's going to happen, I'm not really sure, but, uh, hopefully it's still, it's still something that, uh, is viable to do. I mean, it's, uh, it's an odd, we're in an odd place, Brian. I mean, I just read this thing with Peter Frampton, for Christ's sake, and he got about, I don't know, 25,000 plays and he, he made, you know, uh, 1200 bucks or something, you know, or 25 million plays and he got 1200 bucks, you know, if he's having a hard time, imagine me or anybody else so i don't know what your your feeling is on it and where it's going to go but i don't really have a strong idea myself you know well uh, i mean i think you're you're a very different performer than peter frampton is i i think that (laughs) i think that guys like you uh artists like you who have a very personal connection with their audience, your audience, I think, is always going to want to buy something from you. I like it, maybe it's not going to yeah. be as uh, the numbers it was before, and maybe it's not yeah. going to be the same as it was before. But I have to believe that people are always going to want to support you somehow. So if you put something out, I know that uh, oh, I'm going to want to buy it right away, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of other people are as well. Thanks, yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm incredibly grateful to you know to all the folks that have stuck stuck uh, stuck with me all through this because uh you know it's got a long time and um but uh you know i miss them so if, if they miss me and it can end as much as i miss them then uh i guess it'll uh it'll work out okay when we do get back out you know yeah and the other thing is you alluded to it earlier but uh you did a bit of an art tour where you're going and selling your art yeah. at different spots as well what, what was that like 
Well, it was fun. That was uh, Tony Girard and Tony I've known since, you know, um, well, about 20 years as well. And he's always been a huge fan of the music and a huge booster of the arts. And uh, he's in a position to be a booster of the arts. And he does un- unequivocally. And uh, I've always benefited greatly from from Tony's uh, uh, help that way. And uh, he's the one who loved the art. So he's the one who sort of said, like, do a bunch of paintings, we'll take them on tour, and we'll just be like music. And I always wanted to go on tour with you anyway, so we'll go out for, you know, three weeks and we'll we'll make it like a music tour. And so we did. And he dreamed it all up, of course. I just went along with it. Um, but I had a tremendous time, and uh, it was an absolute joy. Tony's one of those people that uh, every minute spent with them is a plus, and uh, that's a great thing. And, you know, I got to meet a lot of people uh, through that that uh, I hadn't uh, known before and see a lot of people that I'd known through music uh, come out and say hello, at least while we were, you know, uh, putting the art up. And um, so, yeah, it's been a a very big positive, and it's a positive in my life anyway, no matter what happens with it. So we had good good sales and, and good reception of the art, and so I was really grateful for that too. So, because that's a hard one, man. I mean, it's like, you stick it up in the wall. You got to sort of stand there while people look at it. That's a hard one. But um, uh, you know, it's like anything else. I suppose it's like putting out a record and and uh, you know going out and playing it and see what happens. And it's no different, I suppose. I don't know. I feel like it is kind of different in a way. Like it's easy for me to buy a record sometimes and just put it on the shelf and forget about it. But I think when people buy buy art, right, they're making a more of a more of a commitment. I don't think many people buy art and then have it hidden away somewhere. They usually have it because they have it displayed prominently. So there must be a kind of pride in knowing that, you know, you're a part of people's literal daily lives. They're looking at your work every day. Oh, that's a nice, what a lovely take on it, man. Yeah. Well, I'm okay. I'll go with your take. That sounds good. Way better than mine. But yeah, it is. I mean, I was really, I just was so moved when people bought the art, man. I can't tell you. I, you know, I was really humbled. Uh, gotta say, but uh, it thrills me to death. That, I mean, people, the nicest thing, Jeff, after all of that was, well, meeting the folks was the best. But, um, you know, afterwards I'd get an, an email and, and there would be my painting in their house, you know, hanging on the wall. And that, you're right, was just so satisfying to see. I just I can't tell you. Yeah, that was really something. And, you know, it's just some of the folks that bought the paintings were just so delightful like, as people. And, you know, it was, it was really, really neat, you know, really neat. I know you had some shows on the books for, for last year. Are those shows kind of going to happen again when, when yeah, time permits or are we going to, I've been, I don't know like where things are at, to be honest with you. Um, you know, we just, I don't, I'm not doing anything until I'm jagged up and you know, everything's back on, on a roll. But, um, you know, we are, I mean, those shows were, were booked a while and, um, I think most of them are going to rebook for the year. And, um, you know, I'll be happy to do that. Uh, I'll be more than happy to go back on the road and get at it. And hopefully everything will, you know, hang together um, with any luck at all. So, um, yeah. When it all happened, I was just, I, all I saw was like a completely wiped out schedule. So I, I could hardly, I could hardly look at it. You know, it was the same as when I came off the road with the voice. Like you just couldn't even look at it. I want to see the sun again. I want to see the sun again. Getting tired of the rain. Want to see the sun again. As you heard, David has a lot of new songs that he's eager to record and share with people. I'll let him tell you more about those, as well as some of the music that he loves listening to on the July 4th episode of my other show, Tell the Band to Go Home. You can find that show at telltheband2gohome.com or on select streaming services. 
I urge you to find out more about David and purchase his albums as well as a DVD and a songbook at davidfrancy.com. Visit flywithyourshadow.com for information about the music used on this episode as well as links to the other musicians mentioned in our conversation. As I mentioned at the top of the show, if you'd like to be notified as soon as a new episode is posted on the website, please join or rejoin the mailing list at flywithyourshadow.com. You can reach me anytime with questions or feedback at flywithyourshadow at gmail.com. I really would love to hear from you. As always, I'd also really appreciate it if you tell someone about this show. Spreading the word about the show is really difficult, so your personal recommendation could really help make a difference. That's it for now. I'm not sure exactly how often I'll have new episodes over the summer, but I plan to keep new conversations coming as often as I can. I hope that you'll stay tuned for more episodes and join me, Jeff Robson, again next time on Fly With Your Shadow. Having a pay with gold on the road to hell as pay with souls. Someone loves me, that's I know, somewhere down the lonely road. <laughs> <laughs>